This is the racing symphony coursing through your veins. This is the house that Speed built. This is the LTV Sportscast. And now your host, Layton. Welcome sports fans to the episode of Motorsport. The house of motorsport. LTV Sportscast is back with it. MotoGP starting, Formula One starting. This episode, we're focusing on the MotoGP. Joining me today for the episode, for the pod, Big J. Jay, how's it going, man? How's it, Nathan? Really excited by this uh, new season that's kicking off. Uh, I think from the fantasy football side, I've been struggling a bit this season. So I'm looking forward to getting on board with uh, MotoGP as well as F1 Fantasy. And getting involved in the season that's ahead. Yeah, what a what a way to start off. I mean, Mark Marquez is still not with us. I mean, he's not he's not dead, but he's still not with the the rider lineup, and uh, and no one's quite sure when he's going to make it back. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, at which uh, which uh, race he 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 arrives back at. Um, there's talk of him coming back as late as uh, here is, or uh, sorry, as late as Catalonia. But uh, I, th- I think the earliest, the earliest possibility that we see him is at the Algarve circuit, the that uh, uh, Portomino circuit in Portugal, which is that that's uh, on the 18th of April. So that's a couple of weeks away. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure when uh, when he will be coming back. But anywhere from Portomino all the way to Catalonia. Um, so no one knows exactly when Mark's going to come. I don't think Mark knows when Mark's going to come back. But I do know the rest of the field thinks to themselves, we better get the points before Mark arrives. Because when Mark arrives, are we fighting for second? Because he might he might be uh, a little bit uh, rusty. I suppose he's been on the bike as far as I understand, but I'm uh, not entirely sure how things are going to go down. So so we'll see what happens there. So tell me, Jay, uh, we're also playing if um, the fantasy for the MotoGP for the first time. Are you excited? Absolutely. And as, as listeners would uh, know is that MotoGP is something that I just got into last season and uh, for the first time when we began uh, podding and I got <clears throat> used to it a little bit. So this will take my MotoGP to the next level. And I guess that's why they create these fantasy platforms. It allows the, the end user and the viewer to be more engaged and have some skin in the game as such to, mm. to create a bit more excitement and make you to look forward uh, come Sunday for that hour of uh, madness. So I'm really, I'm really excited to be playing. <clears throat> and as well as it, I, I really enjoy the fantasy platforms. Uh, so the same, the same will apply for the... Uh, F1 as well, so I enjoy the fantasy platform because there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. Hmm. Uh, but in, in this in this regard, I think when it came to the football, uh, I had a I had an upper hand on you. But when it comes to this, I'm a complete novice newbie and rookie. So I look forward to the pearls of wisdom you can share and, and things like the track information and motors that are suitable to certain circuits, etc. So yeah, really looking forward to it, and let's see how. How well you can guide me this season in uh, MotoGP? Well, look, we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, you, the fact that you do speak about engines and and engines or bikes, chassis, uh, the 
different different engines for different tracks, which probably makes it the most interesting. And I know we'll be talking about the Formula One in the Formula One show. I think that also hopefully this year's Formula One would have a little bit more of the same with their compressed midfield having to share a lot of uh, preference to track preference for specific types. But MotoGP's had it for ages. They have different ways that their engines run, uh, like uh, like the inline engines, um, you know, the the V based engines. It's it's there. Things can happen. Things ride differently. Um, the bikes respond differently. So, whew, yeah. Now into into something quite special. Um, if you haven't joined the Pods Bragging League, uh, and I suppose a lot of you guys haven't, but I see we have a few guys already joined. The code is EEVTKR7C, but it will be in the show notes, so I will drop a link there for you guys to join in. But Jay, before we talk about uh, the fantasy and building those teams, we might need to talk about the expectations of MotoGP 2021. And I suppose we can look at it from a team perspective before we start eyeing out um, specific riders who will be fighting for titles. Um Sure, you want to you want to hit it alphabetically? I suppose alphabetically sounds sounds fair enough for everyone. I think that should better be great later. Okay, well we start off with uh, Aprilia. Aprilia Racing. They got Elias Espargarin. He's obviously absolutely quality quality rider. Uh, Paul Paul Espargarin's brother. Now, what was nice to see the Aprilia has showed some promise at uh, the Lascelles um, when they did the the testing. Preseason testing now. Obviously, the LaSalle Circuit in Qatar is where the first two uh, MotoGP races are going to be held, and the fact that they are showing some pace that does definitely show that there is there is something that can be worked with. Now, I don't necessarily think they're going to be um, breaking into the top ten all the time, but they're going to be very much a, a track specific, track hungry um, outfit when they will need to pounce on circuits like um, Doha, Qatar, the LaSalle circuit. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting uh, for them over there. They've got uh, Lorenzo um, Savadori, I think he's in, on their, on their team. Or? Yes, Savadori, that's correct. Now, uh, he, he is a... He has... He has uh, raced before, I believe, but he, he came in as a wild card, I think, in the previous season. So I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know too much about him, but I know the fact is that Alacious is going to be carrying that team and it is it's going to be mightily important. That's another thing about the, the season is the amount of, I think every single team changed except the uh, Suzuki team. It's the only team that remained the same, but they lost that Davido uh Brolio, what's uh, their their team principal? Uh, he landed okay. up. Uh, Davide Brevio. He went. He, uh, he's gone to Formula Formula One. He's gone to Formula One to the Alpine team. To Alpine team, yeah. Mm. Um, so that's only change on their side. Just a question uh, regarding. So I, I, I see it, and, and doesn't the the preseason uh, testing in, in 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 Formula One doesn't necessarily translate onto race times when 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 the season kicks off. Um, and I've seen that over the years. With MotoGP, is it is it the same thing, or can we and can the listeners go by the the, the track times in preseason? Is it is it a fair indicator in terms of pace for the season? Probably the indicator is roughly the same that it is in Formula One. You want to look at teams that get out laps. Laps are important, so amount of laps. 
Um, they do they do race runs. They they do obviously their different tire testing. They try different uh, different types of things, different types of setups. Um, your brake biases, things like that. Um, but MotoGP is probably a better reflection than the the testing in MotoGP is probably a better reflection than the testing in Formula One. Obviously, Formula One is uh, I don't want to say it's a lot of cloak and dagger, but it is a bunch of skullduggery that does go on uh, trying to throw off the the opposition um to to what you are going to do and there's so many changes so many more changes that happen in formula one it's a lot more complex the 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 device is a lot more complex um where so obviously formula one being a more suited to it's more based on the the actual vehicle than the driver because the the differences in the the drivers are so uh, minuscule but with MotoGP, and that's what makes MotoGP probably the most special out of the, uh, the more special out of the two, is purely from a rider perspective, is a good rider can ride a bad bike well, a bad rider can destroy a good bike. And, yeah, and absolutely, and, we saw that a bit with George Russell last year in, in Formula One. Yeah, well, I mean, you talk oops. talk about, and I don't want to say a bad rider, but a rider that's not suited to the the chassis of a, of the bike, it, like you took uh, when Lorenzo was on the Repsol Honda, did not perform all that well. It's it was not suited to him. Um, you can't hop off one bike and hop onto the other and and be up to speed. It's very difficult uh, in in MotoGP because it is. I, I think it's the rider is so much more important than the bike itself. Um, case in point, the Repsol Honda under Mark Marquez is it's almost I don't want to say it's it's a dead ringer for for your your championship I'm like oh, just Mark Marquez on the Repsol Honda best bike best rider and then boom you go and he gets the championship without Mark Marquez the Repsol Honda struggled so Leighton, on that logic then that, that you're putting forward then it must be said that the teams that have stayed that remained unchanged uh, the Suzuki, for example, mm. um, they should they should be having um, a good run because they they got riders who are used to their the, the motorcycles the underneath yeah, them. For sure. So that would be a strong that that would be a strong uh, a strong case for us to put forward. So then, obviously, you look at a rider like Alexis Espargaro uh, and under the uh, Aprilia banner or on the Aprilia bike, and although his teammate is relatively inexperienced in terms of motor gp alacious is not he is excellent he is an excellent rider and i think this season although as as a team aprilia will be won't be uh will probably fall in pretty much right at the back it will purely be because of lorenzo not bringing the same points that alacious will bring alacious will get into the top 10 uh on a, he will fight for that top 10 position on a fairly regular basis, I do feel that would probably happen. So, uh, um, yeah, so I don't know if you, how, how you feel about the Espargo brothers. I know Paul is obviously, he's off to Repsol Honda though, so. No, I think I think what you said regarding regarding the, the bike, the, 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 the riders getting used to the bikes, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a key note to take out, especially in, from the fantasy point of view as well, is that uh, it will take time for them for a bit of a settling in period. I think, from last season, what I want to take out from it is that the, so many different riders got wins, and so there's a lot of confidence uh, will be among, in that pack, especially with Mark Marquez not there, 
and, and a confident rider is a dangerous rider. So there'll be a lot of them who've got wins under their belt and obviously looking that they could have gone further. Uh, someone like uh, Quattraro uh, that we spoke about off-air about. And um, so that, 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 that's quite exciting that you've got confident riders who are used to certain machines underneath them. So if, 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 if you're playing the, the fantasy part of, uh, of this, uh, that would be my thing to look at. And I think it's some great insights there for me as well to relook and maybe but I think I think my team's quite solid for the season ahead. Um so yeah we can after after the Aprilia Leighton, which is the next team that we that we've got well, alphabetically we, there. We we do head into the Ducatis. Now we'll probably put we'll put all the Ducatis together uh under We'll discuss them all at the same time. And there's Ducati, um, the main team, the factory team. There's Pramac Ducati. And then there's the the Espen Sorama racing, that VR46 uh, Ducati team as well. Um, so you start to look at all three of those things. When you realize that Ducatis are relatively the same engine. Now, we're just talking about, obviously, people moving teams and being comfortable on top of a... Um, off a set, off a machine, you know, off the bike. The the fact that Jack Miller has moved up from Pramac Ducati to the Ducati factory team, he already knows how the engine responds. Now, obviously, the chassis is going to be uh, different between the, the teams, you know, from the factory team to one of the works teams. But the the accelerating, the way that you accelerate, the way that uh, um, you handle that bike or handle the engine of the bike is obviously a, a lot more similar. And that's when you start to look at a, a person like Jack Miller, although he is new to the um, Ducati main team and he's partnering up with uh, Francesco Bagnania. The the thing is, Jack Miller looks hot. He looks on it. And you, he, the testing there in Qatar, he is, I think he's, he set an unofficial lap record in the four days. I think at one fifty three one eight or something like that uh, is what is what he put up on the board, so which is mightily impressive, and I suppose the biggest thing and looking into going the fact that they're testing at Doha, um, and they're on the LaSalle circuit and their first two Grand Prix is on the LaSalle circuit, uh, where the difference between say the Ducati, which is obviously a torque monster, it's it's going to accelerate. Um, it's not as good as the Yamaha in the corners. You know, it doesn't, it probably isn't as nimble. Um, but what it can do, what's different with the Ducati engine bikes to the Yamaha engine bikes where Yamaha don't have the engine power is that when Ducati do put the twist that wrist and they put the hammer down, they're going to they're gonna get out, they're going to be able to get the slipstream on the straights. They're going to get to the next corner probably faster where the Yamaha's, if they've got no one in front of them, they will be excellent, excellent. But if they're chasing bikes, they have to hit brake zones. They have to because they they would be able to brake later. But these the bikes like the Ducati and that would probably brake earlier. But if you're sitting in the brake zone off uh, the Yamaha's braking zone, and uh, they're going to have to brake earlier as well. So you can't just ride into the back of a team. And that's why I think a, a team like Ducati with their engine power, first two races at the LaSalle circuit is sure. Uh, is going to be one of those uh, that you do bank on to be right up there. Jack Miller, Francisco Bagnania, they're, they're a fantastic team. Um, arguably, they might be might be the second best, probably the second best team on paper for the, for the season. Um, 
after the the Repsol Honda when Mark Marquez is back. But then, yeah, so Francesco Bagnania, Jack Miller. I, I don't know, have you been watching anything of... Uh, have you seen anything to do with the, the testing so far or not so much? No, I, I didn't get a chance with, with this testing at the moment. But tell me, Nathan, who's, who's going to be number one number one rider for Ducati? Will it be Paco? Jack Miller. Jack Miller, you put, you write that in. You, I, I don't know if you, you're, you're a little bit of a gambling man. You go, you go to your local bookie and you say to him, listen, I'd like to put my house on Jack Miller beating Francesco Bagnania and then pray he doesn't get injured. But coming into the team right now, so who's, who's the main rider? Well, is Bagnania, shouldn't he be the main rider with Jack? Although it is Ducati, but, but it, just some clarity there. I, I think they're going to they're gonna focus on Jack, especially because of the, the way that he, he was Ducati's main guy last season, you know, because he's now taking over the reins from Andrea De Vizioso, but he was the main guy, but he was riding at the Premac um, racing Ducati. So... And he got the most points for Ducati last season, so he moves up to the main team. Uh, Pekko Bagnania, he's he's a uh, he has that. I don't want to say he has quite as he's not he's not a rookie, but he, he has a little bit of a rookie mentality type thing to him. He doesn't always make the best decisions at the best times. The man is fast, but probably lacks lacks a maturity in his riding. Um, which I think Jack Miller has. I think, I think Jack destroys. Um, you, when you when you go comparison teammate to teammate, Jack walks walks this battle, and not because Bagnani is bad at all. It's just because Jack Miller. I think, I think this is one of the seasons that he might actually be up there. I think we're going to have such a good fight for the title again this season. I think Jack Miller's in it. I, he's he's one of the favorites for, for the title this season, has to be. Um, then you know, we're talking about the Pramac Racing um, Ducati with Joanne Zarco and Jorge Martin. Now Jorge Martin is one of the rookies that's come up, and he'll, he might be. It's there's only three rookies in the season, um, but he's probably on the best bike out of the three rookies because other two rookies come from the third Ducati team, the the VR46, um, the uh, Racing Esponsarama, racing with that. Ania Bastanini, whose FP2 was fantastic. Luca Marini, also a great, great rider. So you've got some great riders in, but purely because the bike is better, I think Jorge Martin might land up walking the... I don't want to say walk. Uh, it will be a tough battle, but he will end up putting in the, the win for the rookie of the season. His partner, Johan Zarco. Now, Johan Zarco has the ability to be he's he's raced on Yamaha he, he was excellent on Yamaha he's raced on I mean he's raced on the Ducatis as well it's just there is something there is something about Johan Zarco that on any given day you think he could win a race um, so uh, again I actually think Johan Zarco outscores uh, Pekko Bagnania. I think uh, the b- second best Ducati rider is going to be Johan Zarco. I think he's got supreme talent. He he's just obviously there's been times where it just hasn't come together for him. Maybe he's pushed a little bit too hard. He's pushed substandard machinery a little bit too hard, and he's got results. And, and in the same breath, he's also not got results because he's pushing too hard i suppose it's one of those things that you, you've got to be on the limit but you you still have to to ride within your capabilities 
and if your capabilities exceed the machinery that you have, it becomes very difficult. Um, it, it can also become very negative if if you're supremely talented and you've taken everything you can take out of it, out of the machine, and the machine just doesn't want to give you any more. I think that's where Johan was, and then I think he got. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a very mental game because so much is based on the riders. And if there is no change to uh, the machinery that you're riding with, you become negative, your results start to show that type of thing. I think we see Johan Zarco this season. He comes in. It's it's a change. It's going to be... He's going to be on it. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, the last Ducati... Oh, sorry. Back to Johan Zarco. I mean, you've you watched a little bit of last season. Do you... Did Johan stand out to you at all in any way? No, he he did. He was yeah. I think he was he was one of the more courageous, courageous riders there, especially with the the lean, the lean the lean angles that he was taking and the overtaking maneuvers that he made. So yeah, I was quite quite impressed as to especially in terms of his overtaking and the lean angles that he applied on those on those curves. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think I think you absolutely own the money there with him. And once again, I think with the, with the exclusion of Mark Marquez for the first few races, I think everyone's going to be going out uh, for it. And uh, last, the last season, it leaves so much for everyone to live up to, the excitement, the, the drama that we had in, in the last season. So uh, with regards to the Esponsorama, is that how we get it? I get it right. Esponsorama. Yeah, I think we, we, we get, let's say the VR46 Ducati racing, then we're good. you predict? You predict any wins coming out of there? I mean, last season we got no. a Brad Bender taking a rookie win. Do you think that there's going to be any Ws coming from that team? Uh, not at all. I, I don't believe. I don't believe Story that will happen. When, when the, I don't know what how how much of a difference. I know it's another um, works uh, Ducati works team. I don't know how strong they will be against obviously the Ducati factory team and then the Pramac Ducati Racing, who have got victories. Uh, I think they they had Daniello Petru- no Daniello Petrucci they was at um, the main team I think previous season anyway but Pramac have got a victory uh, as well in them but I don't I don't foresee that happening for for the for the young guys um, both the, both of them being rookies and and it's unfortunate to see something like that and I think you would want to see a rookie partnering with a more experienced rider, albeit a couple of seasons in, not necessarily a title contender, but to to work them into um, to give that 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 advice, you know, to to have that feedback, um, especially when you know you obviously teams within themselves they do comparisons and they they look at the telemetry of the guys. So and so was on the throttle earlier. He was using this lean angle, and between themselves. If it's just uh, two two young rookies, it might be more difficult than when it is to take um, the example of an experienced rider and say, look at, look at his telemetry. This is why he's you know a half a second faster than you. This is where he's doing things differently. They can start to really start to see, um, you know, I don't want to say like the older brother type thing. Given the MotoGP. It's not very often in teams that the guys have a dislike for each other. I think that did happen with um, Jorge Lorenzo and Valentino Rossi, but usually MotoGP guys, uh, they're pretty 
pretty decent towards each other. I think as teammates. So yeah, so I don't I don't see much coming out of that. They they get a few points out there. They get a few top tens. You know that type of thing. But again, also would be very much track specific. They're going to be have to be racing for um, track sets suit their uh, suit the engine as well as their chassis. So. Um, yeah, I don't know how much comes from there, but uh, definitely I don't believe a race win at all from that. And then you were talking obviously about uh, with obviously the the riders having to perform the way that they performed last season because Mark Marquez was out. I think for riders as well, it was almost like saying, listen, we can fight, we can do. You looked at the the champion, got one, one race win all season that uh, – you know, consistency can actually get you over the line. It really can. So you don't need to necessarily have the most wins. Uh, most wins was tied, I think, was both Franco Morbidelli and Fabian Quattararo. I think they tied on most wins. But then, right but then Quattararo did obviously here. His racing was so poor at times and it was in his head I mean obviously it was in his head the the pressure was too much knowing that he had lost the title or feeling that he had lost the title before he lost the title was probably something that made things very difficult but Mark Marquez is back on a Honda this year we don't know when and when we start to look at Honda Honda obviously they, they come in with the two the two teams um, that we'll be seeing there it's obviously the Repsol Honda team the biggest team of Honda in the history of Honda, they're absolutely fantastic. I mean, they, they've got stellar, stellar outfit. The, the amount of world titles that, that comes from the Repsol Honda, it's just, it is something else. And it's a where a couple of years back it used to lack that uh, that brute force that the, that the Ducatis are renowned for. They... They're probably the second fastest outfit on circuit right now is the Repsol Honda um, or the Honda engine. And that's what makes their second team, the LCR Honda team as well, such a danger um, because the you, you start to, to look at that Takaki Nakagami from last season. Apart from a few stupid mistakes, the man on the machine at times was infallible. It was just, it looked like it. And then, then obviously, I mean, like I said, stupid mistakes came in. But the, the bike itself, the Honda itself, is a superb machine. Um, Mark Marquez and Paul Despargro, they're riding for the Repsol Honda team. Um, Mark's obviously out. We don't know till when. I think uh, Stefan Brodel will come in. Stefan Brodel, he comes in as the replacement rider, the backup rider for Mark Marquez. Uh, I don't think they'll bring Alex Marquez into the Repsol Honda team um, purely because he is riding LCR Honda next to Nakagami. And because they, I don't think they want to, I think they want to give him the best season that he can have, but they're gonna, you want to do that, you want to put somebody on their own bike for a season. You don't want to move him around too much. Uh, th- I think that's probably what's going to happen. So Stephen Brodo will come in to replace Mark Marquez. I haven't actually seen that. I cannot confirm that. I know right now while we're recording, they are doing their first uh, practice session at this time. But Paul Despargro, man, he didn't He didn't give the, the win to um, KTM like they, like they thought he was going to be the man. Brad did that for the, the KTM 
factory team. The um, obviously the two two wins for the KTM Tech Three team and or KTM as a what's name came from Miguel Oliveira. But back to Repsol Honda with Paul Paul. Paul is one of the most consistent, excellent performers that there is. He's, his racecraft is good. He's fast on the bike. He's fearless. I think there's there's another word that uh, that uh, I'm trying to think of a MotoGP rider that I can't say that about. <laughs> I was about to chip in there and say that they all to do that sport you got to be fearless yeah you, you think like you you think the top gun movie they had to they had to make a movie just to call a guy maverick uh and in motor gp the guy's name is maverick i mean it's <laughs> it's real life um yeah so so polis Spargo really he's more on the fearless side of fearless um he's super fearless um L- later i watched i watched nakagami's season last season and mm. uh, obviously a bit of uh, attention to it because these are the guys now uh, incumbents to uh, Mark Marquez at the time, both Alex and and uh, Nakagami. Mm. Shouldn't he feel a bit unlucky not to get in, not to keep a seat in in the Repsol team, and maybe Paul to be for LCR Honda? Uh, he was he was he was as you said he was rather consistent and and. and and most of the times up front, he looked like the, he, he had he had it wrapped in until there was wrapped up, until there was one or two mistakes that crept in. Uh, and also, which I find unusually, so he he's Japanese, and and Honda being a Japanese manufacturer, generally again in other motorsports, they tend to favor their nationality, uh, dry, uh, rider or driver, if you refer to uh, Formula One. So just on that with Aspargaro, what's more the, important, nationality or winning? No, no. I, 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 well, depending on 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 which which manufacturer we we if we, we jump to the other motorsport sport that we'll cover, I mean we we've got we've had the likes of uh, uh, Rosberg and uh, and even now as well the the team that continu- continues to to pump to the the British drivers to, to, to no uh, with no wins. So now, as I said, it's just it's just me just knowing that in in Formula One. Uh, if you have the nationality uh, driver, I think even Ralph Schumacher at a stage got a got a, uh, a German uh, drive as well, based on that. So I just 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 the question is: do, Is Nakagami that inferior to uh, Aspargaro? Uh, yes, and I'm going to tell you why. the The problem is where you've just come out of a season where consistency has showed you can you win you a title. You don't have to be the best rider to to win the title. The the consistency is the most important thing. Paul Espargro is going to give that consistency to, to the Repsol Honda. Another thing which needs to be mentioned is the second-seated Repsol Honda is one of the most difficult seats to ride. It is not the easiest bike to ride, the riding, your riding style needs to be so smooth on that bike. Um, and look, Mark Marquez makes it look easy. He does unnatural things, supernatural things to to make the bike stick around corners, sending it in lean angles, 67, 68 degrees. I mean, it's unheard of, and 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 it happens. Uh, no other rider, you, you've seen riders come in. Again, I, I cannot stress enough, when Lorenzo came in to, to ride that second seat at Honda, it was, was shockingly bad for him. It's not an easy bike to ride. And for that reason, 
I think you you look at people like Espargo who have also, and again, he has a very natural, fluid riding style. It's just, and he has that consistency. He has this maturity to his, this fearless, crazy riding ability coupled with maturity. I think it couldn't have been a better fit for uh, Repsol Honda out of they could have yeah like you said they could have brought in um, Nakagami up through from LCR Honda but maybe maybe he just needs to show that he can be more consistent on the track uh, and if he can be more consistent on the track you know maybe you can look towards the future but I don't I, I don't see Paul moving out of uh, out of Honda anytime soon. I think that that's going to be a pairing that's going to last a couple of years. You think about the, the amount of years that Pedrosa just partnered anyone who came through Repsol Honda, always being the second rider. I don't think Paul's necessarily just going to always be the second rider, but uh, if his partner isn't as if his partner isn't Mark Marquez, then he wouldn't always be the second rider. But Mark Marquez, man, phew. He he's going to he's going to break every record if uh, if he comes back from his injury with his head in the right place if he comes back the same Mark Marquez it's he was it was a week after his operation that he was back on the track and then something else went wrong and then it was like no no listen we're pulling out you know that type of thing but I, I don't see Mark Marquez stuffing it up when he walks back into the team so yeah I don't know dude it's going to be very interesting to see but definitely. Um, I think Paul Espargaro is going to, without Mark Marquez being in there and the man that uh, a lot of that Repsol Honda is going to be looking towards to to get the points on the board in the absence of Mark Marquez, I think you couldn't have a better leader. I don't think Nakagami necessarily is a team leader. And that is why he stayed back at LCR Honda. But what is the expectation for Repsol Honda? Repsol Honda, Mark Marquez, uh, when Mark Marquez is back, you are looking at the best team pairing out there um you are depending how early mark marquez comes back will be whether he is in the title race or not if he comes back within the first four or five races um to think that he could start a season five races behind and you go like listen you know mark can do it you know he's he's that good um the truth is mark can do it he's that good uh, so yeah, how many races are there this season? I'm actually not too too sure right now at this moment. Uh, I, if, if it's going to dovetail, if it's going to dovetail with F1 as it normally does, it'll be 25 then, because uh, Formula One's got 25 races this season. So normally they they race together. So if it's the same, then it probably would be 25. But yeah, 21. Nine, uh, yes. Yeah. See, 21, 21 that they they've confirmed. They they haven't confirmed the last. Um, the dates for the Argentinian, Argentina MotoGP or the circuit of the Americas, the American MotoGP, but 19. 19 confirmed so far, barring no um, cancellations, with two more to be confirmed. So 21 at most. So that that is what we are looking at. So yeah, I still think Mark can come in five races in and still land up as long as land up getting that title as long as there is enough competition like there was last season with people pushing people no one knowing where where anyone is 
Mark will need to get set back into the team. You know that that is that is important. Um, so expectation is Repsol Honda uh, wins doesn't win. They actually land up. Uh, I'm not even sure, man. It'll be between Repsol Honda and Suzuki for the 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 constructor title or the team title for the season. I don't. Uh, and I don't know, like I said, although Ducati is the third best team with uh, Bagnani and Jack Miller, you you don't, I, I don't know how good Bagnani is. I know Jack Miller is going to be good. Or at least I believe Jack Miller is going to be excellent. Uh, LCR Honda, Alex Marquez, second season. So he's learned a bunch of new things um, for the season. Uh, Nakagami needs to get his head down, get some things right. And and you're looking at, uh, you're looking at fighting for podium positions depending on the circuit. So that's that's what we're expecting from Honda. And and from from your side, your expectations for the Honda outfit? <laughs> Generally, I'm a big underdog supporter, and, and I, again, I haven't I haven't seen a uh, Mark Marquez race. Uh, I'm I, I I'm I'm in the Yamaha camp uh, this season. So okay. uh, three of my three of my four. Um, Fantasy riders are all Yamaha riders, so I'm expecting the Quattraro Mabadelli uh, combination to to come on a bit and, and to be improvement there. And then with Valentino, I mean, I hear you speak of Mark Marquez, but there was a certain Valentino Rossi that I uh, over the last few years that, that that everything revolved around him, and the man's still there. And uh, and I think so. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to have a bit of a bias and go with the Yamaha. It's it's, a, it's against a bit of a Actual the motor logic in terms of who's got the best motor, the best efficiencies, and chassis, etc. It's just that from the way that Mobidelli and um, Quattraro rode last season, um, there's going to be. Oh, in fact, they've 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 changed. They're no longer on the same team. It's mm. Vinales and uh, Quattraro. So yeah, my three uh, my three uh, fantasy riders is Maverick Vinales, uh, Frank Franco Mobidelli, and Valentino Rossi with the South African Brad Binder making up the fourth uh, spot in my MotoGP fantasy team. So big, big uh, sway on the Yamahas. So I could be wrong. I should maybe take your advice. Let's but talk I'll about the Yamahas, Guy. Let's yeah. talk about them. Um, you're, you're, and what I, was, what I was alluding to earlier and what has been probably Yamaha's biggest problem, they do not lack pace in qualifying or single lap um, times purely because... If they are allowed to break later with their chassis, they carry speed through the corner. They don't have the same type of power. I do believe they did get a little bit of a, um, a power upgrade for for this season. So we will be seeing a little bit of that. But again, single lap type thing. It's you, you know, you know, Yamaha can, is going to be right up there. The problem has always been race pace for them. If they're out in front, they don't get caught. If you take out the mistakes that took place last season, and I mean the, the really uh, glaring mistakes by Quattraro, and there was a few by Mabadeli as well, they would have taken the constructors, uh, maybe not having a champion rider in their side, but uh, some of the mistakes and some of the, the, the way that Quattraro rode and the way he let that slip through his hands. Mm. And uh, Yamaha the put season, their hand up, though, and said that a lot of it was their fault as well. Yeah, and, and and with this with the experience of Valentina coming in to probably help those youngsters, uh, maybe maybe that should come through and, and maybe eliminate some of the mistakes that's there with having that the wise head 
of Valentino Rossi. So I think it's exciting, uh, as, you, as, you, as you alluded to, everything is in the favor of the, of the Honda teams. Um, and then obviously the might of the Ducati. Uh, Say so I'm leaning towards Yamaha, but we'll let, we'll let the first race, because uh, if you had to predict last season, I mean, I don't think at the start of the season, even midway, that we would have chosen Suzuki. So it's it's right now it's anyone's anyone's uh, championship to take and obviously nothing's nothing's been we haven't yet put rubber to the track as yet so it's anyone's championship it's just I guess as you alluded to and I think I'm going to listen carefully to your advice is that how do these uh, experienced riders adapt to new teams and I think that's something to look mm. forward to especially in qualifying uh, as well. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So let's quickly talk like you're talking about Rossi and Morbidelli. Morbidelli comes through the VR6 uh, Racing Academy. So it it really is mentor uh, student over there. Uh, with Morbidelli, you know, Rossi is obviously not as fast as he used to be. Um, I suppose it comes with a little bit of age, or a lot of age in his case for for a rider. I don't think uh, any rider rides has ever. Is he the oldest rider in history for the MotoGP? He might be. Uh, we'd have to fact check that. But uh, if, if it is, it's probably by something like 100 years or something. Uh, no, I'm just joking. So, it's, uh, so he is obviously very wise. Um, I think he's happier for the first time in a long time on top of, uh, on top of uh, a Yamaha bike, which, I mean, he's obviously he's, he has a, a whole history with Yamaha. He's very tied in. He's the greatest Yamaha driver that, or rider that... Uh, that's, uh, that they've had the pleasure of um, having to represent them. So, friends, uh, Franco Morbidelli, Valentino Rossi, I think we... Oh, man, I almost think Patronus Yamaha pips the factory team this season two years in a row. They did it last season. So there's nothing that prevents them from from doing it. You look at Fabian Quattararo and Maverick Vinales. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Maverick Vinales is absolutely fantastic on single pace and on any on any day when it's when he feels like it, I suppose. I just don't get the feeling like he feels like it all the time. I, I think uh, there's days that Maverick just goes missing. Um, a little bit of a, a loose goose kind of thing. But... Uh, it's just there's no there's no uh I, I don't I don't think he challenges for titles but he challenges for race wins. That that's what's going to happen. Lathan, mm. last season who was who, who partnered him at uh, Monster Yamaha? Who was the second rider there? I can't remember Valentino, now. Uh, Valentino Rossi. Rossi moved down from factory Yamaha to Petronas Yeah. To Petronas Yamaha. Uh, so it was a direct swap between Fabian Quattararo and Valentino Rossi. So uh, yeah, so the question will then be: Will 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 Quattararo push uh, Maverick? Because if we, if you want to say that Rossi is a bit long in the tooth, then on his way out uh, in the latter in his latter years, <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope that's not true this season. Uh, do you think do you think Quattararo can push? Push Vinales because Quattraro is going to be a um, so, so a slightly different opinion over there. Do I think Maverick Vinales can stay with Fabian Quattraro for the season? The answer is no. I okay. don't. I yeah. think Fabian Quattraro is uh, he's got the experience of last season. He's he's known how to lead a championship. He's known how he's lost a championship. 
He's known what's happened when he pushed too hard again, where when you got to the latter stages of the season and you were watching the the Yamaha chasing as opposed to leading, it, it was very difficult for them because they lacked drive. So they had to be more um, maverick cavalier in the corners. You know what I mean? Um and and for that very reason is why I think Fabian Quattro and landed up falling away. Again, if they've got open track in front of them, the Yamaha is a fantastic bike. Um, but without that happening, I think Fabian Quattro uh, teaches Maverick a few things along the way, um, and is going to be their best uh, their best shot at uh, of uh, getting results. However, again, the best Yamaha rider out of the four. I think will be Franco Morbidelli. I think I, th- I don't know, man, because Fabian Quattro again in, in testing, man, but he was excellent. I think uh, first day he was um, f- fastest, second day he was second fastest, and third day he was third fastest. Right, I think I think we must uh, not commit to absolutes. I think we've got a couple of couple of hours before we can start uh, having a look at, as to what the predictions we, we're putting out there and, and see how they deliver to it. Guy balls uh, to the wall, man. <laughs> First episode. This is this is a time where we get to say all the stupid things that we need to say and, and then, then we look back then, afterwards and go, oh, fuck, I was dumb. dumb. <laughs> so I'm being a little bit cautious in that regard. I mean, especially now with the, some of, uh, I, is it, is it, is it, Testing or qualifying? Uh, right now, it's uh, practice. Practice. F- free, uh, first uh, free practice or uh, free practice one, uh, and that's happening right now. And unfortunately, I cannot see the timing on that at this very moment in time. But I will be looking at it in a little bit later, and I don't know how much to take from it. Again, they ride different uh, different settings in the in their practice things, but I think it's uh, free practice two. I think that I think they do two practices, then they do the qualifying. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so but uh, if you're in the top ten of the 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 final practice session, you go straight through to Q two, so you don't have to be um, in the 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 shootout for the the last two positions for Q two. You don't have to race Q one. So which is which is a very interesting way of doing things. I mean, you look at the, as Formula One has obviously progressed. The the it's an interesting. Very interesting take on qualifying the way that they do things. Okay, so yeah, then we have to move away off Yamaha, and we're going we're going back in back in the alphabet to uh, a three letter team: KTM, Brad Binder, Miguel Oliveira, Red Bull Factory Racing Team. What pairing? Um, I'm going to tell you what to pairing. I'm going to tell you why. Miguel Oliveira, obviously the two wins on the KTM Tech 3. He moves up into the the factory team to replace uh, Paul Espargaro. You've got Brad Binder, who's just won rookie of the, rookie of the season, um, the previous season beating Alex Marquez. But what is very interesting, and I, I was listening to uh, a discussion from his side, how he spoke about, the fact that he couldn't believe where he where he landed up because of his bad results, and he kept speaking about lessons that he has learned through the season. You know, moving from Moto Two to Moto GP, uh, the different things that happen, the the different types of approaches. Now, one thing I said last season, I said it, uh, I'm saying it again now. If there is a double header, KTM is the best team to adapt to a circuit directly if they have to race the same circuit twice in a row 
then, then you're looking at KTM for the second race in, uh, in Qatar at the LaSalle Le- circuit. Leighton, why do you say that? What, what do they do differently? Or what is, what is know, man. Just their, their, tech, their tech team is able to take the data and, um, and adapt it. Well, so yeah. I like how you say that. Yeah, so not KTM Tech 3 team, but KTM, <laughs> KTM the, yeah, their, their technical analysis. And, and that, I don't know if, if, it, is, if it is something that it, look, they're an energy drink racing team. Let's, that's what Red Bull are. They, they're an energy drink Formula One team. They're an energy drink MotoGP team. They're an energy drink, uh, f- those plane flying things, doing all those, those, those races at the planes. They're just, they're so good at what they do. And they've got the right people. And their brand's on the line, you know. So because their brand's on the line, Red Bull get the right people into the right places and they just they they're very agile in the way that they approach their their craft um the ability to make adjustments again you know it's not although it's on the fly it isn't necessarily a knee jerk reaction stuff is thought out stuff is analyzed stuff is then put into um processes are put into into play and the results show afterwards every time they came back from having to race and it happened at Mizano last year as well I, I remember they had probably the worst race that they had was at Mizano the first week second week they came back they were excellent um the the race in Austria first week uh, the one where uh, Miguel Oliveira won his first one I think it was it was on the second race. So first week not great, second week awesome. They just they just adapt fantastically. So I'd be watching them for the second race of the Quattar. You could probably say from the first race because they've had the ability to practice because they're practicing at LaSalle's. Oh, well, that's where they did their testing at LaSalle's. First race LaSalle's, second race LaSalle's. It's it might be set up for for very much a surprise um red bull red bull showing like uh, showing in strength you, you know so red bull do come out there brad's learned a plenty many things um from paul espargaro the previous season he's learned plenty many things from racing his first season in moto gp he's partnered by miguel Oliveira, who is Although he is still young, he's still a seasoned MotoGP guy. And you're thinking to yourself, yes, wow, KTM factory team is looking hot. Especially there's going to be certain tracks which is going to favor them. Not necessarily favor them above someone else, but favor their, their, for them to get their, their best results from there. And then you look at their second team, KTM Tech 3. Daniello Petrucci came from Ducati. He goes to um, KTM Tech 3. He replaces Miguel Oliveira. And then they bring in, again, I think it's uh, not necessarily the most experienced. Um, rode a few races, MotoGP, and whether it was in wildcard seats or something like that. Um, I don't know much about Ike Lacuna, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So KTM Tech 3 is very... Uh, they, Petrucci won't get the same highs that he got at Ducati, but again, experienced rider with a young rider. KTM are starting to check the right boxes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I fully agree there. And it's nice to see them not dumping two inexperienced riders together like you see in the 
the VR46 team. So mm. I guess I guess Ducati has three teams; they can afford to do that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward from a South African perspective. I'm looking forward to to see the improvements in in Brad Binder, and I was very impressed watching Miguel Oliveira ride as well. There's there's a degree of composure there. Um, that he has, so when 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 he gets to the front as well, he's almost gonna he's gonna shut it down, which you don't see a lot, especially in, in motorsport where you get someone who goes to the front and you know they have the capability to to, to ward off any challenges, like yeah, Mark Marquez. Well, yeah, I, like I Mark Marquez, say it. So there's uh, yeah, so there's very few that go around uh, that have that ability, and when they do, they are championship material, like Mark Marquez. Yeah, I said it. Uh, and we've seen it. We've seen it in in, in in the other motorsports as well. So yeah, I think I think KTM is looking good. Uh, it's, it's it's part of my part of my MotoGP uh, fantasies. A team is going to be the KTM uh, from a constructor point of view, uh, start of the season as well. Yeah, I suppose the big thing is about getting the break from. If you get to the front and you can put distance between you and second place, then second place has to work just as hard as you do to maintain because obviously if it's close in you probably want to sit in second place for a bunch of bunch of time you know your your engine doesn't work as hard you're constantly sitting in the slipstream and when it comes time to to put the hammer down you you've got probably better um less tire wear so you've got uh, better better grip at late stages in in the race and then obviously that's where you you're going to see the the benefit of it, uh, again, you saw it with Brad Binder at the Bruno circuit. When he got to the front, you saw it with Miguel Oliveira when he was at front, when he finished the season at Portimao in Portugal, in the Algarve, in front of his, in front of his, uh, well, in his home country, in front of his family. So that was really something nice to have. And But then you talk about teams that have the ability to, to sit there and get the results by not necessarily leading you start to look at uh, Team Suzuki with the only team that is unchanged, Alex Rins and Jan Mir. Wow. Um, I know they didn't have the, uh, the, the best testing days, if you want to call that. Um, I think on day two, they were seventh and eighth, and day, or day three, they were seventh and eighth, and, and day four, they were six and seven. Day five was a washout, I think it was. So it wasn't really, um, there wasn't much testing that was done on that. However, there is a common belief that Suzuki were sandbagging. So if that if that is the case, they already know they, they have the most... Reliable. <laughs> reliable... Consistent machine. Consistent, competitive. I think competitive is so important. Yeah, you're right. Reliable and consistent um, outfit with uh, with that they can be competitive at every single race venue. They they might not be the best at every single race venue, but they will. Where, for example, I do see now say a, a Yamaha favorite track so Yamaha will be all the way out in front and then you know at the back Ducatis and will will fall to the back Suzuki will be close up to the top when Ducatis are up in the front and Yamaha's are all the way at the back Suzuki's will be up close to the top I think you're going to see a lot of that they are that that good again I know well, I, I did mention the fact that they lost that uh, Davido Brevio he's the only guy that's 
that's left their outfit right now. So I don't know how much that is going to affect them because he was a great leader uh, for, for the team, great team principal or race director or whatever you want to call it that he was there. And Alex Rins, Alex Rins has got a speed about him that Jan Mia doesn't have. But Jan Mia does look like he's he's got a more stable head. But there's another thing. The man's just won a world championship. And if you've just won a world championship, what type of uh, what type of confidence comes with that? Where you might have been riding within yourself the previous season. Do you do you start pushing yourself a little bit more? Or does it come with the added pressures? Like I was the I was the um the champion, I'm now defending champion. Is it is it a first to last kind of feel for him? Does he does he fall apart the season? Is there added pressure? Does it create a different type of pressure on him because now he he's leading from the front? I don't know, man. But all I know is Suzuki. There, there's a good chance. I think. Sure. When I look at the title challenges, there, there's probably four guys that stand out for me as title challenges. Um, one obviously being Jack Miller, which I've said. Um, Franco Morbidelli, I, th- I think he challenges this season. Maybe throw in a number five, fifth challenger, Fabian Quattararo, and then two Suzuki riders fighting for the title. I, I think they're going to be that good. Um, it's very difficult to see that they, to see them fall apart. And then, yeah, if Mark Marquez comes back early, then. But that's again the dependent. I don't necessarily want to throw his name in the hat just yet, purely because we don't know when he's coming back. Yeah, so all our predictions and conjecture should be answered in, a, in the next couple of what seventy-two hours or such. Uh, we should be able to just to put all of these pieces together and then get a view as to what the season holds in store. Having said that, I think even through halfway of last season, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know where the champion was going to mm-hmm. come from. So really exciting uh, times ahead. And the longer that Mark Marquez stays out, the, the, the more, more competitive open. it is mm. uh, for the rest of them. And I think for the viewers and those that are interested in the sport and someone like myself getting into it, I mean, the excitement levels are, are through the roof. Yeah, so, so here's my prediction. If Mark Marquez makes it back um, within... By the fifth race of the season, fuck the sixth race, sixth race of the season, uh, Mark Marquez wins it. Uh, if he makes it back anywhere after that, I think he finishes second or third. Um, but then, obviously, the the main people I've just mentioned, because you can't again the LaSalle circuit. It's it's uh, now we talk about this weekend's Grand Prix, and I know we've just mentioned it. It's it favors Ducati, it favors Honda. I think you can you can sneak in a KTM in there, man. I I can see KTM getting something out of this. I, I can. They they have that um, they have that ability um, to to get the get a get a result, especially when you don't think they can. I think KTM has has shown themselves to be a very impressive um, outfit. So so we are going to see what. Uh, what is going to happen? Unfortunately, I don't think they didn't race there last year. The Moto Two and the Moto Three race last year over there, so we we can't can't take much from um, last season. And twenty nineteen is a long way away, but 
2019. I think I think it was won by um, by Ducati race day. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a Davizioso from Mark Marquez, from Cole Crutchlow, from Alex Rins actually. So back in 2019, and then uh, Valentino Rossi. But Ducatis, Ducatis were up there. The Hondas were up there as well, so I'm expecting to see more of the same uh, Ducati Honda for this for this weekend and next weekend, and again, like to see KTM get in there. Now, Jay, second season of um, Fantasy Moto GP, um, where we're hopping in pretty early in 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 the what will be the the life uh, the life of the the Fantasy Moto GP. There is, at this very moment in time, 19,180 players from around the world. Uh, a far cry from the 8, 9 million that you see in our, our FPL fantasy. Um, but it doesn't mean it's going to be any less competitive. So so you and I are on this learning curve together here, right? So Well, I, I think I'm far behind on the curve. I think you're going to be leading the way and I'll be just... Uh it's fantasy. I've park. never played it. I've never <laughs> played it. It's our rookie season. It's our rookie. We get to be no, rookies together. With your knowledge, yeah, your knowledge of circuits. And, <sighs> Dude, and I, it's my and opinion, man. It's just an opinion. Yeah. And watch me be wrong about everything. And uh, for the listeners who don't know, uh, listeners out there, Leighton does ride a bike. Uh, is it Suzuki? No, it's a, it's a Yamaha. The Yamaha. So yeah, Leighton does Yamaha. ride a Yamaha. Uh, so yeah, so his knowledge on biking is and and and, and the sport is, is is up there. I rate him and I give I will give him credit for that. So uh, well, compared to you, guy, you're comparing me to you, and yeah, I, it's not exactly like I'm out there. Uh, I have an opinion. <laughs> I, I'm not the be all and end all of it. Unless I win this thing, then I'll then I'll just I'll pat myself on the back. I'll, I'll ask other people to do it as well. But uh, we'll see. Right now, at this very moment in time, we have. Uh, I did drop it out on Twitter, the the bragging rights um, fantasy motor GP. We have four people in already. It's you, myself, uh, old uh, uh, bad horse, old Henny. He's in as well. And then we've got some chappy uh, from Honda. He's, he's the Honda Reds. I can't see, obviously can't see his team right now, but out of the Ukraine who has joined us. So welcome to, to the Pods Bragging League. Uh, hopefully we see what's going to be happening there. So tell me. So what what it looks like is we've got uh, two gold riders, two silver riders, and a constructor. The gold riders score full points. Silver riders score half points. You can interchange between them um, as much as you want uh, between the weeks, uh, between the races. You get to make one alteration, one transfer a week of free transfer and then you again back to the your single constructor what's interesting what i saw uh, with the constructor is that you have um the constructor is more to do with the engine itself not necessarily say ducati and premic ducati being two different teams ducati has effectively three teams right now um and so that means they've got six riders and then those six riders, out of those six riders, they'll take the two best and take an average of the two best. And that will determine your constructor points for the weekend. And then you have a, I see this a Motel, Motel 300V allows you to double one of your riders points in three races in the season. So three times in the season, you can, can get double points for a rider. 
Um, how, how, how did, did you see how the points thing works exactly? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't gone into the breakdown of the points, lads. And I just want to: Have you seen when do they close off the race? Is it um, um, in terms of the choice? Qualifying. It's going to be quali- before qualifying. Yeah, they locked down yeah. on qualifying. So right now, it's uh, from this moment. We're now we're talking SAST time. Um, uh, it's fifteen thirty-six in the afternoon. Uh, so it's got one day, three hours and 23 minutes. So it's a Friday. So it will be Saturday at 8 o'clock South African Standard Time. So again, and I believe that's qualifying time. So consider it to be qualifying time, but rather be safe than sorry. Once, um, sure, I'll, I'll have to see, which will be quite interesting if you get the benefit of the final practice sessions, which will determine which qualifying session the guys go into because uh, I'll be watching that time. I'll have my team ready before that, but uh, but I'll I'll be seeing what uh, if they get the final practice session, if it closes before the final practice session. I'm not entirely sure, so we'll have to see what comes tomorrow, and then we'll know. But definitely make sure that you do have a timer on there, which is quite nice. It's, it gives you a countdown timer to the round lockout. So uh, get in your stuff beforehand. Yeah, your silver riders, I said we get half points. Uh, so that's also quite interesting. Uh, it's an interesting take on your silver riders. So let's see. How, how do we get points here? So you've got to get points for qualifying, I assume. Um, JJJ. Huh, where's our point scoring? Yeah. Qualifying scoring session. Qualifying one. Fastest rider in Q1. Five points, second fastest, four points, all the way down to fifth, which is one point. However, it should be noted that the riders that go straight into Q2 don't get the benefit of the Q1. So you can actually, actually, let's say Mark Marquez is hanging out and he's on it. He goes straight into Q1. He gets grid position one. He gets 10 points. You get uh, you, your rider rides in Q1. He finishes fifth, far, well, the fastest, so he gets five points and then lands up getting six on the grid and you get as many points as Mark Marquez. So that's quite interesting. It's a nice way to, to look at it. So there is there is benefits. The, the last thing you want to do is go, is you're right, go straight into Q2 and then land up on 10th where the guy who gets Q1 and then doesn't qualify in the top 10 gets five points. It's, <laughs> it's quite, a, quite an interesting take. Um, then obviously the the usual the usual points here first twenty five points second twenty points third sixteen points fourth thirteen points fifth eleven uh, that goes ten nine eight seven six five four three two one all the way to fifteenth and then from sixteenth to twenty second you get zero points um, as I said the constructor the average uh, calculation between the two best riders and will then will then do those things and then. Um, let's see, the final GP race points are awarded in line with the MotoGP scoring system. Riders receive two extra points for every position they finish above qualifying grid position. Now, Jay, 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 before we look and build a fantasy team, this is probably the most interesting out there. You are looking for people that qualify badly but race fantastically, a.k.a. Brad Binder. Brad Binder. There we go. He's a man who's going to get you two points for every position position that he finishes above his qualifying uh, position. But I don't see a limitation on that either. So, 
So let's say he qualifies in 12th and he finishes fourth. You know, he's moved up eight positions. There's, there's an extra 16 points. 16 points there. Yeah, yeah, right there. The rider with the fastest lap receives an extra five points. So it's, I mean, that can be anyone. We've got such good riders there. Silver riders score 50% of points. Turbo riders uh, double points for that uh, for that thing. is effectively your captain. Riders will be penalized five points for disqualification. If a user attributed turbo roll to a rider who is disqualified, the rider won't double his penalty points, so you don't get double penalty points. Thank heavens for that. Um, obviously, a non-classified finishing position will result in zero. Any points earned in qualifying stand, and then constructor will average the calculation of, like I said, the two best riders. So lockout. The, the game will lock out at the start of Q1, qualifying one for each Grand Prix. Okay, so there we go, at the start of Q1. But again, you don't necessarily want to leave things right to to the end. Now, keep in mind that pricing is dynamic through the season. So depending on how well the guys are riding, so forth and so on, will change your team value. So do know, for example, if you have got a strong Ducati team, let's say, and then you're moving into a Yamaha-favored circuit and you do have your transfers out there, and everyone's hopped onto Ducati and they've made the decision without thinking about the next Grand Prix. So think about, again, like we've done in the fantasy football, think about the fixtures that, we, that you're going to be facing because you might want to drop them out at that time, drop them out early, assuming that uh, um, you will be picking up then a, a rider that's based best for the track. And then you can start to build some team value which will allow you to probably have the strongest team um, closer to the end of the season. So, so start looking for things like that. Now, Jay, after the things I have said to you and whatever jibber-jabber I have said, um, I'm going to talk you through, through at this. I have changed my fantasy MotoGP lineup. <sighs> I, I, I don't I don't know if I can count that high, but it's somewhere close to a bazillion uh, <laughs> times. So the amount of time that I've I've looked at this, at this very moment in time, at this very moment in time, and quite possibly going to change soon. And a lot of this has been based on obviously the test results. As my gold ride is currently, as we stand right now, Fabian Quattararo comes in along with Jack Miller. Jack Miller, I think, wins the race. I think he streaks away. I think Fabian has a good qualifying. And then again, when I'm speaking about clear air between riders, I think Jack Miller puts clear air between him and Fabian Quattararo, which allows Fabian to hit his brake zones. And if he can hit his brake zones... Uh, and, and then it can really be a smooth type of race for him. So he can land up finishing uh, quite comfortably in second. That's currently my train of thought, but I will be looking at the practice times. Then based on what I have said with uh, with uh, Ducati being strong, I expect Ducati to be strong. My silver riders, I've got Johan Zarco. Again, someone I expect to to be to be pushing up, you know, getting hopefully getting, I don't necessarily know where he will qualify, but I know his race pace is usually excellent. So expect to get positions and points there um, for positions gained. And then Brad Binder, quite the same. Yes, uh, 
it it will probably be a staple in my team all season unless he gets injured. Uh, this is probably the stupidest way of playing a fantasy thing with your heart and not with your head, but it is our rookie season and there is a belief that Brad can perform excellently on the KTM. Not necessarily qualify well, but his race pace can be excellent. And if his race pace is excellent, big things over there. And then possibly starting out just for the first two races, I'll be looking at Ducati as my um, constructor. I'm, I'm considering changing that up to to Honda. Possibly. Possibly to Honda. Uh, I think I'll bring Yamaha in, in at a later stage. So that's pretty much what my team is looking at. Um, valued at 14 million with a million still uh, to spare uh, as I have built my team. Jay, how's, how's your team looking like right now? So whilst listening uh, to you in the pod, I've made changes as well. So I guess... You're going to make uh, a million more, Guy, I promise. Um, well, as, I think as you alluded to, I just want to have a look at the practice and just get a feel for the times. Uh, so moving into my goal rider position originally going into the party was a silver rider was brad binder just based on the points and how uh, he qualifies and he finishes off on race day so brad uh, going into one of my gold riders and then <clears throat> i think franco mabadelli when i watched this progression through the season he's mm. uh, at a stage he seemed a bit afraid of quattraro and he seemed intimidated by him and and, and he even alluded to a post-race interview that quattraro is a qualifying machine and you could see it was a bit Bit of in awe of Quattraro, but as as it progressed towards the latter stages of last season, Mobadelli came into his own, and for that he's my second gold rider. And second uh, fastest rider, on day four eh, of the, the the practice sessions of the test sessions. And then the Aussie who's who's, who's impressed me uh, throughout the finish of last season. And I remember the the race where he sat. I think it was behind Alex Rins, if I'm not mistaken, and he couldn't get past him. And then. The following, the following uh, GP race, the same thing happened, and, and you could see the, the way that Miller wanted it more, and he's improved. So he's my second uh, silver, or my first silver for silver rider. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just a fanboy for Maverick Vinales. I think when, when he won the <laughs> last season, when he won the, the, the race, and I, on, on the pod, I, I called out that Maverick will win, and he went ahead and won. So, yeah, I got a soft spot for him, uh, especially... I think I think one of my first podcasts that we did, where we looked at the the, the video clip of him uh, standing off the bike, not even jumping off the bike, standing off the bike, falling and like casually <laughs> sliding off, sliding off the seat. It's, yeah, it's tremendous. So, yeah, he's insane. So um, yeah, and, and my team, my team's called uh, Maverick on a Bender. So play on the word Bender instead of Bender. Uh, and my constructor is going to be KTM. I really like Miguel Oliveira. Uh, as well, so my my constructor is going to sit KTM for a while uh, until until I can get a feel of what the tracks and the circuits are doing per per engine. So I like the, I like the way that you approach it though, and I'll I'll tell you. I mean, I sat with Franco in my team probably for the longest time uh, as well, and there, there's good cause for me to um, to swap out, say for example, Jan Zarco for Franco Morbidelli, or take Franco over Fabian Quattararo. The, the concern obviously is when my concern for the first uh, for the first two races is the fact that it's not a Yamaha favored circuit and see probably the only reason why I haven't doubled up on Yamaha and I've kind of steered into the Ducati right uh, now 
let's say another question on the circuit. What, mm. what, what, how, how often have they raised you from a data point of view for that for that prediction or for that calculation? That the you, cells. That you, um, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm gonna. I'll want to go back. I'll see. It's usually the opener. It's been a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it's been okay. a lot. I arguably want to say at least I want to say probably that's ten years ago. Honestly, I, I can't remember them not racing there. You know, well, I, c- yeah. I can, I suppose, but uh, no, I'm just they used to, to open up at Jerez back in the day. Just, yeah. just to rule out, just to rule out recency bias in terms of that, uh, what you're predicting. But if you've got if you've got data from from quite a number of seasons ago, then it helps build that into the mechanism of playing uh, MotoGP. Two thousand and six. The cells is was the first time we saw it on the calendar that that I recall, or that I can see. Um, so, let's see the cells to see what I can find for you back then. When did won the race? Two thousand six, Valentino Rossi, ahead of a Repsol Honda, followed by two Ducatis, another Honda, another Honda, another Honda, another Honda, and then a Yamaha. And then if I have to just skip through a bunch of places over here to, let's go to LaSalle's in 2010. Okay, that was Yamaha, Yamaha, Honda, Ducati. So again, Valentino Rossi. Do I just pick the Rossi years? The Rossi years are great. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't love the Rossi years? And probably a little bit closer to our time, you start seeing, again, just wow. Rossi second to Mark Marquez in 2014, but it was Honda, Yamaha, Honda, uh, Yamaha, Ducati, Ducati. So, okay, guys, yeah, I could, I could be, I could be very wrong. I could be. I don't think so. But that's why we play. That's why we play fantasy, <laughs> man. And that's why we have the bragging rights league, so we can we can have our um, our moment in in the sun afterwards. Uh, nothing better than saying, "Listen, I told you I was right." And then we, we called it the right way. Anyway. Okay, so, uh, Miss, Mr. J. Perimol, um, best of luck to your MotoGP um, weekend. Make plenty changes, guys. Get out there, share it with your friends, share it with your mates. Fantasy MotoGP is new. We, we are doing um, shows that is aimed at the, aimed at the MotoGP specifically for the MotoGP, we'll have a Formula One show completely separate. And obviously, the football show is also completely separate. So uh, get out there, get in, get in your get in your names as well. Uh, if if you want to compete with Jay for what is obviously looking like the the coolest name on the board right now, Maverick on a binder, uh, great play on words there, Jay. So anyway, Jay, listen, good luck. I'll catch you on the other side of the weekend. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, man.